MSW Media. News was wearing Daily Beans, Daily Beans, Daily Beans, Daily Beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, May 6, 2020. Today, the White House Coronavirus Task Forces plans to shut down. The UK surpasses Italy in total number of deaths from COVID-19. Children of undocumented residents file a class action lawsuit in response to limited COVID-19 assistance. And Venezuela claims to have captured two Americans involved in a failed coup attempt against Nicolas Maduro. I'm your host, Jordan Coburn, and with me today is Amanda Reeder. Hello. Hello. We're doing it. We are doing it. It's AG's day off today. Yes, she's taking the day off. uh, Mm -hmm. And uh, she wrote me a script to say, and now I'm reading it, and it says, blah, blah, whatever you want to talk about. (laughs) Party time. Boss isn't here. (laughs) Woo woo. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. Um, I feel like, uh, I think we talked about this a little bit earlier on the phone when we were having a personal chat, but basically I feel like I've turned a little bit of a corner. I... I'm a little bit less – I mean, it's still a roller coaster, but I've started to, like, adapt and accept and understand and, it, you know, things are going to be different for a long time. But um, I feel like there's light at the end of the tunnel for, like, some of the hardest parts of all of this. So, I, um, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm glad that you are experiencing that. It's, yeah. It's definitely making it easier to sustain everything. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, the staying at home orders, the being responsible, being healthy, mm-hmm. all this stuff. It is kind of crazy though how much of a new normal it is now, at least for me, because again, I experience privilege that allows me to not be frantically freaking out all day. Um, mm-hmm. And with that being said, it has been interesting how it's sort of turning into this kind of new normal. Yeah, I mean, we are nothing if not adaptable creatures. And uh, I think that... Uh, while we are adaptable, change is hard and scary. And so part of part of what added to the anxiety of the last month was just like, oh, God, wait, this is going to be for a while? Shit. <laughs> um, so I think I just had to, like, adjust to that. And now I'm, like, looking forward to being able to gather in very, very small groups. And I'm looking forward to, like, a little bit of increased social contact. And I'm, like, looking forward to maybe going to a restaurant at half capacity. Like, these little things, which I know it's never going to be, like – I'm going to the club. <laughs> it's not going to happen for a while. And Burning Man, not happening this year. You know, large scale events or coming into physical contact with anyone whose touch history I do not know, considering I'm a high risk person. You know, there's shit that's going to be changed and adapted. And even in terms of like other parts of my life, travel plans adapted, certain career plans that I had adapted, you know. So there's mm-hmm. just things that are changing and can kick and scream and wish they weren't happening but ultimately you know it's time to make decisions that are rooted in reality and you know do whatever anxiety management you need to do around that um yeah says your armchair psychologist (laughs) yeah i am here for that hell yeah (laughs) uh we 
we have some news, don't we? We do. Yes, we have a lot of news. And also later in the show, AG is actually going to be back. She's talking to former assistant director of the FBI, Frank Figluzzi. Um, But before that, let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. So I'm going to kick it off. Uh, First story I have, there are discussions that are happening right now about how they're going to wind down the coronavirus task force. And this is something that Vike Pence, (laughs) I just turned him into Dracula. Viking Pence. Vike Pence, yes. Um, Mike Pence told this to reporters on Tuesday. Um, This is a peculiar bit of news, especially considering the number of deaths and new cases that continue to grow to numbers that are higher than have been predicted. Just last week, Trump had predicted, or, or I'm sorry, had amended his his estimates and he's doing it seemingly every few days at this point. So it seems like a very uncertain time for them to dissolve this task force, even though it's not perfect. And I think that this timing is kind of a bit confusing, but Trump said that they're just moving on to phase two and this is just where they're at. He said, I think we're looking at phase two and we're looking at other phases. The task force has done a phenomenal (laughs) job. (laughs) Um, the way he talks about that is like how I you know like like a child in elementary school well I learned about seven and I'm gonna learn about some other numbers soon yeah you know (laughs) it's just I'm I take one thing at a time and once that chapter is even remotely changed it's time for me to uh close it never to look at it again because reflection honestly is very hard for me that's that's also why in the fuck is the White House disbanding their coronavirus task force when we're at a projected 3,000 deaths a day as of June 1st? Like, how is that anywhere close to handled? Exactly. It's, he's bored. And when people high up in his administration, you know, are, are ordering 100,000 body bags, it's mm-hmm. like, it doesn't make any, it really doesn't seem to make any sense. And I don't know if this is a case of an incredible sort of misspeak mm-hmm. about, you know, just kind of, what their intentions are to move forward with any kind of leadership on COVID-19 or if he truly is just over it and is over dealing with trying to micromanage what the members can say. And he's trying Uh to stick at trying to micromanage scientists, you know, which are very inconvenient typically for Uh the stuff that he says. So. Well, I, if I had to guess, um, I would say, I think he obviously initially put together this task force because well, he was forced to. And for a moment there, he thought it would be a way for him to look great, for him to look like a problem solver, for him to be impressive. Um, I think when he realized that it was spiraling out of control and it wasn't going to be quote unquote handled for a while, he decided to pivot to PR, which was, it's great. Everything's great. Let's open it back up and doing all these interviews. And then on the flip side, like turning the actual admin of the handling of it over to FEMA so that he can absolve himself of it. So he goes on a PR tour talking about how great it is when he's no longer handling it himself at all anymore. And yeah. if it goes bad, you know, if it goes badly, he has um, a scapegoat for it um, outside of, outside of the administration. Yes, um, that's so, such a good point. Even though he's yeah. aligned himself pretty heavily with FEMA at this point, it's kind of hard to believe, yeah. I'd imagine, if he passes the powers over to FIBA and then immediately shit gets, you know. Well, if it's a few steps away from him, he can absolve responsibility if, if you know, there's things that people are pissed about. But if it goes yeah. if it goes well, he can be like, yeah, I was directing them the whole time. Right. And it's like, this is the guy that wants to cancel the briefings for whatever mm-hmm. reason. One of them, because they are increasingly hostile towards him. I'm going to, I'll give him that one. They are because he yeah. fucking deserves it. So yeah. 
but that's definitely something you know so yeah i guess it's it's just like it's it's just more of the same pattern of trying to get the fuck out of being the president basically (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. like no 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 i don't want any of this i'm not good at this and it makes my head hurt and i'm done and then he just closes things down but apparently fauci this was news to him the vice president saying this uh (laughs) yeah if fauci is you know one of the huge huge saving graces on that task force but he told cbs news right before pence talked to reporters confirming that they're you know talking about disbanding the task force fauci said cbs that's not true i've been in every task force meeting um he said there's like really no way he said and that's not what they are yeah that's not what they are doing so it's very just another classic example of high up officials learning of dramatic status changes to their posts via twitter or other methods than actual communication yeah (laughs) it's like it's like when uh when when parents find out that their kids are gay on facebook when the kids forget to block their parents. Is that just a me experience? <laughs> Maybe that's just a me experience. <laughs> um, yeah, except yeah. except if you were like playing some weird power game also of trying to not <laughs> tell your parents to make them feel extra shitty. And I think like, as a general rule, be honest with your loved ones about your sexuality. But on the flip side, maybe don't fire members of the federal government on Twitter. Yes. <laughs> precisely um but yeah that's that's how i'm gonna read mike pence's quote that he told to reporters he said i think we're having conversations about that and about what the proper time is for the task force to complete its work and for the ongoing efforts to take place on an agency by agency level and we've already begun to talk about a transition plan with fema but it's it really is all of all a reflection of the tremendous progress we've made as a country the president stood up the White House Coronavirus Task Force to marshal in January to marshal a national response. So mm-hmm. that's what he said. But then, you know, word is that they're probably they're going to try to disband the task force by Memorial Day. So it doesn't sound to me like they're only in the stages of thinking about it. Um all over the place. You know, it's almost like their communication strategy resembles one that is led by an office that's constantly changing and filled with unqualified people, you know? <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, very weird. Um, so that's that story. Next up, uh, this news is going to hit home in a sad way for you, Amanda, and I'm sorry about that. But the UK has now surpassed Italy in the total number of deaths from COVID-19. And mm-hmm. they now have the highest number of fatalities in Europe. Uh, over 32,000 people have died there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, U.S. is still leading in the world with, we had 70,270 dead as of Tuesday, but that's still a really, really huge number well, in huge life. It is, yeah. And I mean, obviously any amount of deaths is fine and it feels very weird to like compare deaths per capita, but we've had, you know, 60,000 deaths or whatever in the U.S. with 350 million people. The U.K., don't quote me on this. I can't remember the exact number. It has some like between sixty and seventy million people, I think. So significantly smaller, like well under a third, maybe like a quarter. Sorry, my mental math right now is not so good, but significantly fewer people than the U.S. Um, so that's a pretty high number of fatalities for for them given their population, and it's yeah, it is. It's really sad, and it's really. Um, it's especially hard on their NHS workers. Not that it's not hard on the doctors and nurses here, but um, 
in in the UK, there have been so many doctors and nurses who've been speaking out about the state of the National Health Service and how much it's been defunded and torn apart by a decade of conservative government um, and austerity. And even before this crisis hit, you know, and one of my old one of my old flatmates in London was an NHS nurse, and she was like, "This is always what I've wanted to do. I'm so passionate about it. I love helping people, but it's becoming untenable. I'm thinking about going to work in private medicine because we yeah. keep voting in conservative governments who can." who defund and, you know, um, cut away the pensions and the wages of, of um, doctors and nurses. And so they were already under enormous pressure and stress before this pandemic hit. And now it's, I can't even imagine how much worse it is. Um, so it's, that is, that is really hard and really sad. And, um, but I'm so grateful for all of the NHS doctors and nurses who are keeping people alive over there. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's brutal. <laughs> yeah, that is so brutal. And I'm really sorry that your friend has ex- had to experience that. And it, it reminds yeah. me kind of of the situation with like, when I hear social workers talk about how that how what it's, you know, what it's like working or working for, you know, border, border patrol, or like any sort of, you know, immigration custom sort of line of work. It's like, you want to work for the government, or you want to work for some established public interest. But when you don't have the resources to do your job, it becomes a source of not only really hard work, but constant pain and constant frustration and like not getting burnt out, not being, you know, honestly mm-hmm. physically at harm at a certain point mm-hmm. in many cases or or mentally in danger. It's like essential it's so workers hard. who were already in um and keep in mind too, a lot of our essential workers were people who were not you know, necessarily being paid fairly or being treated fairly to begin with. And then now they have to do their jobs under enormous amount of pressure and added stress and added, you know, protective gear or whatever. I I can't remember I mentioned this on the show last week, Jordan, but mm-hmm. um, I was calling my mom last week and I was complaining about having to wear a mask when I walked the dog because it was stressing me out. Mm-hmm. And I was, I just, I feel like I can't breathe. I, I feel like panicked. I'm always checking to see who's around it hasn't it used to be such a source of joy taking my dog for a walk around the neighborhood and now I find myself stressed out mm-hmm. and she was like well I wear a mask for 12 hours at a time <laughs> you know and I was mm-hmm. like oh yeah that sounds fucking awful and it just yeah. gave me such an immense amount of gratitude for the people who are like getting up and doing this every day whether whether you're a nurse or you work at a bank or a grocery store or you're any kind of essential worker who's having to wear this gear all day like it's something it's a part of the our new normal that I can't relate with and that sounds super stressful and I just when I think about the people who are doing this it, you know I, I just feel so much gratitude because yeah. it, sometimes you have to put it into perspective like we are in our comfortable you're probably in your underwear right now I'm in my jammies we're recording the yeah. show from home <laughs> and right. um but yeah so so especially thanks, mom. when people like your mom and people in your family and workers in healthcare in general are very caring people by nature. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of that comes with a lot of sensitivities that are more profound in a lot of ways, especially over time as they work in that line of work, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, not only, you know, we get to sit here and try to figure out our lives that are definitely changed a lot as much as we can, but so much of my time is spent figuring out how I can like not think about it. And when I do think about it, really control how I'm thinking about it, basically. Just 
coddling myself as much as I can, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then you have people, you know, like your family and other healthcare workers that are just in it, like all Mm -hmm. the time. And they're super tuned into people, I would assume. Um, That's so hard to like, Mm -hmm. like, you can't escape it when it's your job, you're in it all the time. We get a tiny bit of that with talking about it on the podcast, but it's nothing like actually being in that Yeah. And it's frustrating because, you know, I understand that everyone, everyone bends the rules a little bit here and there in terms of their sanity. You know, maybe they have a a socially distant walk with someone or or maybe they, you know, whatever, like we, people are doing what they can to keep their sanity intact. And that's one thing. Um, But on the flip side, you know, there's people who are like fully having parties and gathering in the parks and not keeping their distance and not wearing a mask at all. And, um, that's when I think about my mom saying, you know, um, it's really hard to wear a mask for 12 hours at a time. And I'm like, stay home. (laughs) You know, like this is, we're, we're, they are, especially in California, the governor has not lifted the stay at home order yet. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's one thing, it's one thing to maybe go on a socially distant bike ride with one person. Um, not that I'm necessarily condoning that. So don't come after me. I'm just saying like, that's one thing, Mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm, you know, are are, are people down the street from us had a party the other night, like a full on party. Totally. <laughs> totally just doing that shit all yeah. over the place. Yeah. It's super disrespectful. Yeah. And it's also like some people, some people convince themselves that it's okay as long as we're not overloading the system entirely or something. But it's like what a system that a stress looks like is exactly what you're talking about. Wearing mm-hmm. masks for 12 hours a day, working for 12 hours a day, not enough breaks, not enough time to Mm -hmm. process like anything basically just Mm -hmm. constantly some combination of understaffed under-equipped and overworked and it's Mm -hmm. like that that's Mm -hmm. not what we can just be okay with existing in and it's frustrating that all the people I have seen please show me if it exists I have seen no healthcare protests I'm, I'm I'm sure you know America's huge I'm sure there's some group of healthcare workers that like included themselves in the protest but i haven't seen any sort of movement from them and like those are the people Mm -hmm. that have it the shittiest right now yep yep i know that not every hospital looks like what new york looks like Mm -hmm. um so so i know that there's a lot of nurses whose lives are not even comparable to what's happening in hotspots so i'm specifically talking about like hotspots Mm -hmm. even though it's still hard as fuck literally anywhere right now Mm mm-hmm I think the thing that folks don't realize is, you know, if we just throw social distancing out the window, it's not just the fact that our hospitals will become overrun with COVID patients. It's also that there won't be resources if something else happens. If your kid breaks her leg or your husband takes a heart attack or you get, you know, or you have a disease or an illness or an injury of other kinds, if we are just completely wantonly throwing physical and social distancing efforts out the window ahead of a vaccine – it also affects doctors and nurses and healthcare facilities' ability to take care of you in other ways. You know, like we can't be short-sighted about this. And so I understand that like various states maybe are like lifting their stay-at-home orders or that places are moving forward with new phases of this, but we still have to like, I think, do our part in not just being completely brazenly just throwing all of this out the window because we're bored because we don't like it. Um, yeah. I just, yeah. So anyway, that's my feelings on that. <laughs> totally agree. 
Thank you for daughter, sharing. D- daughter of a nurse, Rance. <laughs> yeah, totally. And a big thanks to your mom. And you said your sister works too, right? Yeah, my my sister. Yeah, my sister is a nursing assistant. She works in an intensive care unit, um, and my mom works in a mental health facility at a at a hospital, which is a which is adjacent to a COVID testing facility, actually. Um, so it's a a little perspective for those of us who are luckily working from home. Absolutely. Um, all right. Thank you so much. Amanda will be with us all episode. Woohoo! We will be right back on the other side of this break. We've got some more hot notes. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hi, friends. Jordan here. This episode of The Daily Beans is brought to you by thezebra.com. Nowadays, more than ever, we're all trying to find ways to save money. And I learned recently that Americans are overpaying on car insurance by over $21 billion. We can't afford to waste resources right now, but oftentimes searching for a better deal can take hours and typically results in a barrage of unwanted spam calls. But not anymore, thanks to TheZebra.com. TheZebra.com is the nation's leading car insurance comparison site because it's the only place you can compare quotes side by side from over 100 providers and choose the best for you in 90 seconds or less. Plus, they will never sell your information to the spammers, so you won't get all those unwanted calls or emails. You just answer a few questions on a simple, fast form, and they find you the best rates and coverage in your state. TechCrunch calls the Zebra Kayak for Auto Insurance. The best part is that it's completely free. You can save up to $670 a year using thezebra.com. I know we could all use that extra cash right now. So check out thezebra.com. How much can you save on car and home insurance? Go today and start saving at thezebra.com slash dailybeans. That's thezebra.com slash dailybeans, spelled T-H-E-Z-E-B-R-A dot com slash dailybeans. You'll be glad you did. All right, everybody, we are back. Uh, First up in our B block is a story from the one and only Amanda Reader. Amanda, what do you have? Well, just an insane story of some people uh, trying to capture the Venezuelan president. (laughs) Oh, that's Um, all. That's all. Uh, So apparently two Americans captured an attempt of Nicolas Maduro in Venezuela uh, yesterday on national television, President Nicolas Maduro claimed that two U.S. citizens, along with um, over a hundred other "quote unquote" terrorist mercenaries, he said over a hundred. Yes. Oh my God. Geez. So just two of them are two U.S. citizens. I believe right. the majority of them were Colombian citizens. Right. Um, they've been captured while trying to uh, pull off an ultimately unsuccessful capture of him uh, on Sunday. Uh, they they managed to track and apprehend them on their in their attempts to do a maritime invasion. Um, so the U.S. State Department uh, claimed that Maduro's claim was a major disinformation campaign um, and both Trump, Trump, <laughs> I meant to say Trump, um, <laughs> Trump, uh, <laughs> both Trump and Juan Guaido, uh, who is the Venezuelan opposition leader recognized in the U.S., and in many countries as Venezuela's legitimate interim leader, have denied involvement. However, Maduro has accused the Trump administration of helping coordinate the plot with the aim of capturing him and have called the captured Americans, quote unquote, members of Trump's security team. Um, In his nationally broadcasted TV address, he held up two U.S. passports and driver's licenses of two men named Luke Denman, age 34, and Aaron Berry, age 41, who have both previously served in Afghanistan with the U.S. military. And Maduro uh, told the Venezuelan military command that the pair were members of the U.S. 
security forces. Um, and according to CBS, Attorney General of Venezuela, Tarek Williams Saab, told reporters that, quote-unquote, hired mercenaries had signed a $212 million contract with Guaido using funds stolen from state oil company PDVSA. And uh, the Trump administration has, you know, previously slapped sanctions on PDVSA and allowed Mm -hmm. Guaido to use funds from frozen accounts belonging to the firm's Houston-based subsidiary, Citgo. Saab said Guaido had signed a contract with former U.S. Special Forces soldier Jordan Goudreau, um, who is apparently uh, the leader of um, this security company called Silvercore. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Goudreau is Canadian-born. Uh, he's an ex-Green Beret who served in Iraq and Afghanistan with the U.S. military. And he is accused of of heading up this mercenary force, essentially, to invade Venezuela. Um, and uh, apparently he was training soldiers in Colombia and Venezuela and Colombian authorities seized a weapons shipment meant for that group. Um, and, uh, and he basically is saying that Trump is fully involved with this. The United States government is fully and completely involved in this defeated raid. Um, he added that the two American soldiers were playing Rambo. They were playing hero. Mm -hmm. And there's like dramatic footage of them, like having like, you know, uh, arriving on a beach and having to like lay on the beach and put their hands in the air. And it's all very dramatic, but propaganda. Yeah. So yeah, it's totally propaganda. But essentially, uh, there's this, you know, um, Nicholas Maduro now has custody of these two ex Green Berets, and he's saying that Trump's involved with it, and that Juan Guaido is involved in it. And one of the craziest parts of this is that the two soldiers parents, like one of the guy's moms was like, I didn't know about this. I'm learning about this on TV. Jesus. Um, yeah. So this whole story is just it's nuts. And yeah. um, I'm very curious to know more information as we find out about it. Yeah. It's yeah. Thank you so much <laughs> for that. That was wonderfully done. That was like that's such a insane plot for a movie. It yeah. Whichever way this turns out, or the movie could be about trying to find out what the fuck actually happened and who said what. Mm -hmm. The uh, Venezuelan attorney general also shared a video on social media uh, of Jordan Goudreau, who heads up this private security firm called Silvercore USA, which apparently the captured Americans were also a part of. Um, Goudreau uh, claims that the operation against Maduro's regime is ongoing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I guess it's one of those things, too. Like I said, I can't stress enough how ignorant I am of this and how not yeah, serious I, I'd like for you to take my opinions at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also am, I'm uh, like, and this is one of the things that, like, I will always be open about on the show. This is something I have a very light understanding of. And so, yeah, yeah I, totally. I, this is just based on my, you know, my research today on kind of mainstream totally. news outlets. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Yeah. And I, I would like to jump on that wagon of transparency as best I can. But it's like, uh, it seems like it's very conceivable that that would happen to him. Like that, like the concept of that happening is not very crazy to me, especially given the United States's history, you know, in attempted coups and successful mm-hmm. coups in some cases. So and we have reason, we have a lot of reason to be anti-Maduro and anti-Venezuela. And, you know, I'm just seeing, like, part of our response as a country was, 
examining the amount of Cuban propaganda that still exists in Venezuela and comes out Mm -hmm. of Venezuela. That's like something I I read. And when I read that, it's like, that's still, that's such a, I want to use the word trope, but it's, it's just constant. Our despise, the level of hatred we have for Cuba and communism and this whole like anti fucking anything not yeah i mean remember uh i think what was nine years ago at this point when uh when bernie did, was doing well after nevada and they attacked him for uh for for having said a positive word about cuba uh right. 35 years 35 years ago yeah Uh-oh, Amanda. <laughs> it's becoming like this two bernie supporters were treading in the <laughs> territory. Uh, anyway you know what i mean <laughs> I'm kidding. yeah yeah totally but then on the other hand it's like I know that, you know, there are still tactics that are used by Mm -hmm. Maduro that are, like, really, really bad. Absolutely. I mean, this is a layered situation. I'm not on anyone's team here. Totally. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I interrupted you. You just went. No, no, it's okay. I was just saying, I'm not, I'm not on team anyone here. I'm more just like, I'm more, I'm more like hungry for the truth and fascinated as to what's, what, what really happened there. Um, yeah totally yeah me too and i know that there's so many people listening like you don't know this you must know this and you're right we should know this and know a lot more about this stuff so i apologize for the people banging their head listening uh hey man there's a lot to keep up with that's why we have there, corrections there is, there is yes yes there is um, if we get it wrong which we often do send us a send us a, a correction go to mellowshirot.com slash contact Go to corrections, build us a compliment sandwich. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's a, but that's a, that's a cool thing about doing this show is like you know we we can't be an expert on everything, and in the process of of sharing what we find most pertinent, we're going to learn stuff. We're going to mm-hmm. get more input and more feedback from people if we fuck it up. So um, I think that's a really great thing about our community is no one's like fuck you, dumb bitches. And if you are, if you do feel that way, you probably shouldn't listen. Yeah. You know? And I mean, I also know that the country of Venezuela is under mass amounts of economic strain and just, you know, political stress right now. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's not something I have a I have a deep insight to, but it's definitely an area I would love to learn more about, especially given everything that's happened there recently. I feel like I only have a very, like, surface level understanding of the last few years there. So yeah. if you have any books or documentaries or, like, long YouTube videos you recommend on this subject, tweet them at us at Daily Beans Pod. I'm sure Alex Jones has one for you. you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I would love to see that too. Um, everybody always answers our calls for information every time we put them out. And I really love that. Yes. I have some more Fauci news. Yeah, please. Um, yes. As we know, Fauci, he's the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Uh, Fauci is going to sit with or join metaphorically lock arms with uh, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Director Robert Redfield and some other admin um, officials from Trump's administration when they're they're all going to testify together before a Senate committee on May 12th. And so this is I say lock arms, not like they're coordinating what they say or anything, just in that they're going to show up. They're going to show up to this committee. This is extra news because Trump's ordered 
not not through any sort of official like mandate or anything, but he asked everybody on the task force to limit their appearances before congressmen and women. So he's essentially trying to control the narrative in that way, I believe. Um, and so everybody showing up for this is interesting, especially when it's in the Senate. Trump said that he doesn't want the officials appearing before House Democrats because, quote, the House is a setup. The House is a bunch of Trump haters, end quote. But now they're showing he up. He said that? He did. Yeah, he said uh, that. I mean, yeah. I don't know why I'm surprised. I, I, anyway. Yeah. Well, last, last week he blocked Fauci from appearing before a House committee. And this was mm-hmm. about coronavirus spending, uh, coronavirus testing spending. So he already literally limited it. And now that it's happening in the Senate, I feel like it's because it's the Senate and not the House that this is happening. But the committee is called the Health Education, it's the Health Education, Labor and Pensions Committee. Mm-hmm. Or HELP, if you put all those words together and make an acronym out of it. Um, so, so yeah, that's just, that's very interesting. It'll be really interesting to see what comes out of that committee Mm -hmm. for sure. Uh, and the final story that I wanted to cover, um, right now, currently the, the CARES Act provides federal funding to certain people and excludes that funding for others. One of the groups of people that it excludes funding for are the children of undocumented parents. And so this, uh, resulted in a class action lawsuit. It was filed in federal court in Maryland. It was filed by the Institute for Constitutional Advocacy and Protection at Georgetown University Law Center. And it was also filed with a group that goes by CASA, uh, their nonprofit immigrant rights organization that serves the DC area and Pennsylvania. And this was on behalf of seven children. They range in age from seven months old to nine years old, and it includes their parents as well. So, have you heard about this yet? No. I hadn't heard about it yet either until now. And I think it's really important that these lawsuits are happening as soon as possible. And I think we can expect them to continue basically throughout, honestly, for years. The fallout from the Trump administration, just in terms of litigation, is going to extend I think far beyond when he actually winds up getting out of office and it's because he keeps doing shit like this that is breaking the fucking constitution (laughs) and it's it's all um speaking of lawsuits quick last minute breaking news here yeah um a federal judge in new york state has reinstated their primary their democratic primary i hadn't heard that until just now yeah, I just found out myself. Uh, uh, a federal judge reinstated New York's Democratic primary, ruling that the state's decision to cancel the contest amid the coronavirus pandemic unconstitutionally, quote unquote, deprived millions of residents the right to vote. The stunning decision made by Manhattan federal court judge Annalisa Torres puts the primary back on for June, 20, June 23rd. And this is possible because Andrew Yang was the one who filed the lawsuit that prompted this decision. Um, In the lawsuit, Yang argued that even though Joe Biden is already the party's presumptive presidential nominee, the state board of elections, elections, primary cancellation sets a dangerous precedence and precludes Bernie Sanders and other since dropped out candidates from the ability to collect delegates. So anyway, uh, I'm sure AG will cover, we'll we'll talk about this more tomorrow, but, uh, but yeah, so um, that's the decision made in New York. 
Wow. Thank you so much. That's amazing. Yeah. That's crazy. Freaking Yang. Yang. He's going to stick around. He is very powerful, actually, it seems, with his words and ideas. And it's pretty dope to see the stuff that he does. Um, Really quick, just one more detail on the story before about that class action lawsuit. I thought this Mm -hmm. was very interesting, and I didn't know this. And this is just another really shitty loophole, basically, to denying resources to groups Mm -hmm. of people that Trump doesn't want to give resources to. Uh, But apparently the way that they, you know, route the money to and like decide who's going to identify the people that are going to receive the aid that's laid out in the CARES Act is by social security number and by Mm -hmm. using social instead of the individual taxpayer identification number, which is used by a lot of undocumented folks, it thereby winds up you know, stopping that accessibility. So I didn't know that. And that's really shitty. Because <laughs> um, one of the women who is interviewed, she wanted to remain anonymous because of her status, but she said that she pays income tax every year using that number. So the fact that she doesn't have a social security number to use, that doesn't mean that she's not paying taxes. And this is money that's right. coming out of the tax pool. So... It's just an income on top of it being shitty and denying someone of rights that that they're deserved. Uh, mm-hmm. It's also, yeah, it's incredibly like contradictory in terms of how that whole how it works using taxpayer dollars. It's it, it's just a, bla- a glaring intentional denial of resources mm-hmm. to undocumented folks and the people that. Get, would get them under how the laws are and how hopefully they will be as nonprofits keep suing, honestly. Yeah. I mean, you know, as mentioned on a previous episode as well, they're denying, um, they're denying stimulus checks to spouses of immigrants as well in many cases, like who are U.S. citizens. Yeah. So, yeah, right. once exactly. again – that that is such a crazy overreach like how the fuck do you even make that argument that that's even remotely okay um for for both of these cases yeah yeah you can't (laughs) right yeah um yeah it's not it's not i mean this is not a surprise i mean he makes his disdain for immigrants pretty well known which is hilarious considering the fact that his wife is one but you know hypocrisy is a very great strength for donald trump he has the best hypocrisy it is truly the best he really does (laughs) i love for him to just be self-aware about that one thing that he's actually good at he's very good at hypocrisy he is he is the best the best honestly so he is um he's just been entering the wrong races he needs (laughs) he needs to start entering the race for the most hypocritical and most deceiving and most unqualified, then he truly wins. <laughs> uh, okay, everybody, that was our B block. Thank you. We have so actually, there's a fantastic interview that's coming up with the one and only AG on the other side of the break. Uh, stick around. Hi everyone, Jordan here. This portion of the Daily Beans is brought to you by my favorite puzzle game app called Best Fiends. Best Fiends is part of my personal self care routine. 
And it's a great distraction when I need a break from today's insane politics. The best thing is the more I play, the more fun and exciting the game gets. Reaching each new level feels like uncovering a new layer in a story. Once you get to one that you get to be a part of, Best Fiends is an amazingly fun five-star rated game app that's free to download. It's got a bright, vibrant design, fun characters, and combines an exciting story with challenging puzzles to engage your brain. It's a casual game that anyone can play, but it's easy to get obsessed with Best Fiends in the best way. You'll collect tons of characters and need to use them strategically for each level. I'm on level 50 now, which is five levels past my least favorite level, number 45. Share your progress in the game via social media. Best Fiends has thousands of levels already, with new levels, events, and characters added every month. It's hours of fun right at your fingertips, and you can even play offline. It doesn't require the internet, so I played a lot while traveling on the train or plane. Train or plane, rhyme in there. Uh, with over 100 million downloads and tons of five-star reviews, Best Fiends is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. So uh, it's a busy news day, uh, but I'm I'm really appreciative that uh, we have Frank Fagluzzi here to take a minute out uh, to, to, to speak to us because we're getting conflicting reports now uh, between the White House and the intelligence agencies about the origin of coronavirus. And so I really wanted to speak to to Frank today. Uh, he's, you know, former assistant director of the FBI, NBC national security analyst, because you I saw you on TV yesterday talking about what you call uh, Republicans laying a China trap for Democrats. And I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about what you mean by that. Yeah, I can kind of see this coming. I, I feel like if they're not careful, Democrats are going to walk right into a trap. And here's what I mean. Essentially, what the White House and the Trump administration seem to be laying out is, look, you're either with the United States or you're with China. With regard to the increasingly loud allegations that the virus came from a lab in Wuhan, China. What we seem to be seeing is here, here we go, just as the, as the virus and the pandemic writ large has become kind of a red pandemic and a blue pandemic, and we have red state response and we have blue state response. Now we seem to have this finger pointing at China, or you can agree on the science and intelligence community that says, look, now, uh, we don't really see that it came out of a lab. You know, you're being forced to make a choice here. And so if, if they're not careful, Democratic leadership is going to go, hey, we're for science. Well, what does that mean? You're for science. You, you, we're with you. Does that mean I'm blaming the Communist Party of China for this virus? Aren't you with us against China and the communists? And so, and so um, I, I see that trap being laid. I'm calling that the China trap. And I, and I think people can see it for what it is, but unfortunately, there's a large part of society that's looking for a scapegoat, looking for um, where to point the finger. And of course, this is the bright, shiny object that allows Trump his distraction, right? Get everybody focused on China, 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 and get him away from the fact that the president of the United States lost about 70 days of opportunity to act an ignored intelligence briefing. Yeah, he's been using the the war rhetoric a lot, um, talking about, you know, we're being invaded by a foreign, invisible enemy, and, you know, there will be blood. And now it's sort of pivoting to a, a message which I saw coming, frankly, where, you know, we have to break a few eggs if we're going to make an omelet. People are going to need to die if we want the economy to 
to come, you know, back up and running. It's that's it's more important. Uh, and so I really feel like laying this China trap, as you call it, is is, is just naming an enemy. Right. Just calling out a, a, a tangible somebody to hate and blame. And it's it's uh, you're right. It's kind of glaringly obvious. How do we avoid falling into the China trap? Well, it's it's become this sad this sad state of affairs where if you're with the scientists and you're with the intelligence community, somehow you're becoming un-American. We've heard today that he's collapsing or at least uh, pushing into the background the coronavirus task force. That means we're going to see less and less and less of people like Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci, and we're going to see more about opening up the economy. And as you said, we're going to see kind of this war. Uh, mentality. He likes to call himself a wartime president. He wishes he were a wartime president. This is now his war. He's put flesh and blood on the invisible enemy because now that invisible enemy seems to be China. And so it's visible. And and now um, it's about it's about how many people are going to die in this quote unquote war. And when do we declare victory? So we're all just, you know, just like a kind of a World War Two study of what Americans did to sacrifice from Victory Gardens to to mom and grandma going to the factory to work and and sons and brothers dying um, in combat theaters. Now it looks like he's headed toward. Well, yep, we're going to have to make the you know those sacrifices like a war, and some of us are going to have to die. And I, I I'm here to say that's not the equation. That that's not this is not an either or um, situation. That's not the way this works. We do have scientists and professionals and and reasonable state governors who actually know what they're doing and actually can contain, mitigate and open up smartly. You know, restart smart is a phrase I heard today. I like that. But we're looking at you. He landed. He landed today in the state that I live in. He landed in Phoenix, Arizona today to visit Honeywell. And, you know, this is this is a guy who landed in a state that yesterday experienced its record day of death with the coronavirus. Yet he walks down from Air Force One, takes those steps, no mask, shake, tries to shake hands with the Republican governor, Republican senators, and, and here we are. So we're going to have to, you, to answer your question, we're going to have to step up, follow reasonable leadership, and it's not coming from Washington, and be our own arbiter of information. We've got to be informed consumers of data more than ever before, and it's become a matter of survival. So we just don't acknowledge the um, the information that's coming out of the White House regarding the origins of coronavirus. Like how, like if you could tell Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff, like, don't walk into this trap. Like, how would they go about doing that? Just not acknowledging that. Yeah. Well, look, there's a, a good a good technique when someone is proposing. I mean, this is good for any any corporate leader or, or you're, you know, dealing with your kids or your neighbor. If someone's proposing an outlandish or unreasonable uh, assertion, the best response is to ask detailed questions. Tell me about how that would work. Right. You're, you know, your kid says, hey, let's have dinner on the roof tonight. Tell me how that would look. Would, how would that work? Would we fall off? How would we get the food up there? In the same vein, if the president of the United States is saying, um, hey, the virus came from a lab in Wuhan. Let's ask some hard questions. Can we see the intel, please? Can you declassify this? You seem to be declassifying everything if it's in your favor. Let's let's see the presidential daily briefs that allegedly you ignored. Oh, by the way, there are whistleblowers queued up, ready ready to say that they briefed you um, and that you should have known. 
Um, can we see some of those whistleblower complaints? What, give us the facts. Mike Pompeo came out and said there's enormous evidence that it came from the lab. Can you tell us? No, I can't tell you. Uh, get out of here. And, and, and what say you, if I were Nancy Pelosi, this is embarrassing, but I'd go to the five, what I call the five eyes, right? The, the, the allied nations, the other um, uh, foreign governments that we share everything with. And I'd say to Canada, Australia, the UK, New Zealand, what have you got on the Wuhan lab? Are you hearing the same thing? Did you intercept anything we should know about? Do you have any human sources telling you this came out of the lab? If the answer is yes, AG, then I want to tell you, you're talking to a guy who spent 25 years in counterintel. I, I, I'm, no, I'm no advocate for the Chinese Communist Party. But, but I, so I'll, if, that, if that data is there, I'll be the first one to say, we need to do something about China. Yeah. But let's let's see the data. Yeah. And that's just it. And you, and you, I think you've you've laid it out perfectly by calling it, you know, the China trap, because if, you know, then then you have people seemingly defending communist China uh, when actually you're just disputing um, some sort of massive intelligence that Pompeo says he has. Uh, I was going to bring him up. And then the five eyes, too. I saw on I think on CNN today that that. Our allies, intelligence agencies, are saying this didn't come from a lab. It came from a market. It came from a wet market, and um, and we do know the science behind it. In that, you know, it's not an engineered virus. It hasn't been altered by people, by humans. It's a naturally occurring uh, thing. And so, yes, that can still come out of a lab, I suppose. But I mean, it's the that there's no. You're right. There's no evidence. And I think you're right. We just need to ask for it, continue to ask for it. I would love if they declassified those PDBs. Yeah. And they did it after 9-11, AG. If you remember, there were assertions, correct, that, hey, there were intel reports for days about, uh, including in the PDB to George W. Um, saying, hey, there's chatter. Al-Qaeda is trying to hurt us. Something big is coming. It's going to be huge. We don't know where. We don't know who. We don't know when, but it's coming. And um, that all got declassified after the 9-11 for uh, the 9-11 tax for the 9-11 commission. Yeah, it literally said bin Laden plans to attack within the U.S., if I remember correctly. Um... That is correct. Any of any of us who had clearance and were in the intel or counterterrorism business in those days, we we knew um, we were all on alert. Something was going to happen. And and the same thing appears to be the case here. I also think the media has a role to play, um, and I think that you know all of our uh, major media outlets should be sending folks to the Five Eye countries. Go, go to the UK. You want to find a, an allied leader who has every motivation to determine where this came from. Talk to Boris Johnson. He got sick. So let me tell you, if the if MI5 and MI6 um, or GCHQ, their equivalent of NSA, have any intel. Um, that Boris Johnson got sick because of a Chinese lab, he'll, he'd be screaming bloody murder. Let, let's hear from him. Let, let's do the same with the Australians. Let's do the same with the Canadians. See what they've got. Yeah. And, and um, what are the other eyes, by the way? There's, I know there's five. Yeah. So it's U.S., uh, Canada. It's the U.K., Australia, and New Zealand. Those are the five in- intelligence services that we share everything with and we do not spy on. Gotcha. Interesting. Good to know. All right. Well, thank you very much, NBC uh, analyst and uh, former assistant director of the FBI, Frank Fagluzzi. I appreciate you coming on and explaining this to us today. I really do. Thanks, AG. Stay well. Yep. You stay well, too. All right. Coming up next, we have the Good News Block and Quarantine Confessions. Stick around. 
Hi friends, Jordan here. This Helping of the Daily Beans is brought to you by Caliper CBD. Countless products promise to promote wellness. Drastic diets, extreme fitness routines, over-the-top supplement regimens, the list never ends. Who says taking care of yourself needs to be so hard, though? Caliper believes that everyone deserves to feel better naturally, and drastic changes shouldn't be required. That's why they made a more precise and reliable CBD product that's easier to take than CBD oil. Caliper CBD are the first to provide consistent, convenient, and precise CBD in a water-soluble powder. Unlike CBD oils, Caliper CBD powder is completely tasteless, so you get all the benefits of CBD in a dissolvable powder that mixes easily in any food or drink. You can feel better naturally without upending your lifestyle. I love that Caliper CBD comes in convenient pre-measured packets, so I easily integrate it into my daily routine by adding it to my morning coffee or protein shake. I like that it doesn't have a weird grassy flavor, and best of all, Caliper CBD really helps with my stress, helping me to feel calm, I feel less achy, it even helps me sleep. Also, your body absorbs Caliper more rapidly than with oils. Caliper gives you all the benefits of CBD in just 15 minutes. That's about twice as fast as CBD oil. I can confirm that 100%. It is super fast acting. It's so, it's, yeah, it's the best. Uh, It's clinically proven that your body absorbs 450% more CBD with Caliper compared to tinctures. Caliper is made with all natural non-GMO ingredients, no fillers, added chemicals, or artificial flavors, and it comes in affordable 10 and 30 count packs you can get started for just under $20. Get 20% off your first order when you use promo code AG at tricaliper.com slash dailybeans. Caliper is so sure you'll love the product, they even offer a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's trycaliper.com slash dailybeans. Don't forget, promo code dailybeans for 20% off your first order. You'll be glad you did. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. Hello and welcome back to the good news block, everybody. Uh, with me today for good news and quarantine confessions is Amanda Reader, and she's going to steer the ship, the good news ship. Yes. Uh, bonjour, mes amis. I am here. I have some good news for you. All right, hey. let's kick this off. This is from Barbara, and Barbara says, uh, my sister posted this on Facebook yesterday about a dear friend of ours who has been hospitalized here in New York after contracting COVID-19. So, um, a little good news to brighten everyone's day. Our friend Ronnie is breathing on his own after well over a month on a vent. When they switched him from an intubation tube to a trach, he seemed to rally. If they cap the opening, he could speak a few words and will answer questions. He is moving um, uh, He is moving his body more, um, and rehab will soon be a consideration. Kidneys are still somewhat of an issue, everyone. Please keep those prayers coming. And then this morning, she posted even more good news. No more trach. Now not even on oxygen. Ronnie is conversing regularly with family and staff and um, sitting up on the side of his bed with assistance. This is his seventh week in the hospital. He is a true miracle and a survivor. Oh, my God. So Amazing. I'm so happy for our listener whose friend is surviving COVID. That must be really scary to have someone you love and care about be in the hospital in that condition um for that long um so congratulations i'm so fucking happy for you uh this is from kevin we're getting some good health related news today um from kevin uh today was the first time i've had a dermatologist a visit where nothing needed to be sliced scraped or frozen off of me (laughs) since i had (laughs) since i had a malignant melanoma removed two years ago oh my gosh that's amazing that is amazing 
Um, this is in general, like they always had random things happening, but that is much more serious and that's incredible. I know. Yeah. That's a huge step forward. So congrats. Um, this is from C Swan. Uh, and she says, okay, this is a combo platter. The good news is that the other night when we let our teenage kids clean the kitchen after dinner, we were treated not only to a very clean kitchen, and I'm very particular, but also to the sweet sounds of our teenagers listening to jazz together while they were busy cleaning. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, the confession is that while they were cleaning, I sat in the living room, uh, watched W's message about COVID-19, and I wept. I mean, what planet am I on? I'm guessing she means George W. Bush. I don't have any more context to that. Uh, I was truly moved by his words. Even the slightest whiff of moral, presidential, humane thinking just put me over the edge. Or was it how grown up our kids seemed all of a sudden? That's the beauty of a combo platter. It all blends together. <laughs> Love you ladies a lot. Thanks for everything. Thank um, you. Sweet. That's... This yeah, is from I Jessica. Heard... Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I heard, I saw George Bush trending, but I didn't look into it. That must be what it is. Yeah, I'm not aware of this either, but I'm going to guess that she's referring to George W. Bush because that that stands to reason. Totally. Um, yeah, it's funny. Obviously, I'm not like a big George Bush fan either, but I, I have said over the past four years of Trump where I'm like, he doesn't seem so bad now. <laughs> um, he is still bad, but in certain ways, but um, much more presidential. <laughs> he did successfully uh, us into a decades-long war. <laughs> That is not great. <laughs> but you know what? I also didn't worry about possibly being blown up all the time. So, you know? Yeah, the stakes um, certainly feel more volatile currently, at least yes. to me, compared to where I was at when Bush was president. Yep. It's always a case of a lesser of two evils when looking at American politics, sadly. Yeah. Um, that was okay. Maybe that was a little that was a little unfair. There are lots of wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people in American government. Um, you know what I mean? No, um, no, I was I, I that was a uh, agree with you sound for sure. Yeah. This is the good news, Black Jordan. We're getting off track. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing depressing. <laughs> um, all right. This is from Jessica in Massachusetts. For the past two weeks, my husband has been donating his time to a community effort to produce and donate face shields for our community's first responders, hospitals, nursing homes, post offices, and anyone who needs them. Uh, Through our city's high school engineering lab with teachers and volunteers working around the clock, they are able to produce around 100 shields a day. Massachusetts has been one of the hardest hit states so far, and even though it's crazy out there, it's so nice to see our community come together and help one another. Yay! That's nice. That's nice. Good job, your husband. Um, All right. From Kimberly. Hey, guys. Love you and love that you called out the indicted Texas AG, Ken Paxton. Yes, he has a pending indictment for securities fraud. I've actually convinced a couple of reporter friends of mine to indicate as such when reporting on him. Feel free to do that if you ever have to report on his smug ass ever again. Thanks for all that you do. This is from Wendy. Wendy says, take out margaritas. That is all. Uh, I agree. Yes. Where from? Yes. Well, today is Cinco de Mayo as of the time of recording here in, here in well, I, I was going to say here in San Diego, but it's the fifth everywhere. Um, <laughs> and you can get takeout margaritas tons of places, Jordan. Where have you been? I got takeout margaritas on the weekend from Baja Betty's, dude, in Hillcrest. They were doing Cinco de Mayo party packs that you could pick up. I've only procured a bootleg soup container of beer so far. 
Oh, Jordan, you, I know, you I missed out. There was trip. a there was curbside pickup of these like party packs, and I got uh, a frozen strawberry guava margarita in like a little slushy bag. Hell yeah, it was delicious. Um, so anyway, Wendy, I'm with you. Take out margaritas. I'm very happy about that. Um, all right. Uh, from Amy in Oregon, my local parks district is selling gardening kits that include a cedar raised planter box, soil to fill it, and seeds, everything you need to start your vegetable garden, for the cost of only the materials. They're also raising funds for a drive through senior seniors meal service and organizing community members to sew masks. They are offering free vi- video fitness classes and sponsored a 5K your way at home, and I've been running weekly scavenger hunts. Our local concert hall sponsored a talent show with videos submitted by community members. I love seeing the ways the community has been creative about coming together and getting involved and staying connected with each other from home that's really nice that is nice i know uh from christina good news from new zealand no new cases for two consecutive days it's amazing freaking fuck you new zealand (laughs) not fair (laughs) just kidding um is amazing Um, I hope those nice boys from Florida the Concords are quarantined in New Zealand and not here. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, this is from Avery, and uh, Avery is a fellow Canadian, so this one hit hit me hit me red right in my heart. Avery said the local summertime poutine takeout opened up yesterday again, and we are buying dinner out for the first time since March 11th. The social distancing rules are huge, but I am getting a fucking poutine. Fuck yeah. So congratulations, Avery. Enjoy your squidgy cheese curds. I hope the gravy is exactly how you like it. Uh, pour, one, pour one out for me. Um, curds. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, from Princess Witch on Twitter. Uh, my daughter, who is four years old, took her first nap since the lockdown started, and I was able to get some quality work done, including preliminary plans for a partnership with another department at my university to better support underserved students. I'm a librarian. Hell yeah. It's amazing. I love that. Um, We did not get many quarantine confessions today, but I will read the one that we have. So... All right. Yes, the quarantine confessions seem to come in waves. We'll get like a whole bunch and then we won't get very many. But... uh, just this one for today. I've had the butthole song in my head for three days. You <laughs> <laughs> sing that wonderfully. Have you have you watched it in its entirety, Jordan? Very no. important question for you. Oh no, my gosh, I'm not. gonna send you the link and make you. Okay. Um, I don't often pine to be a parent, but when I see some kid do hilarious shit like that, um, it makes me want. I, it's been it's been, honestly. Here's the thing about it. It's kind of a jam. Yeah. Like it's about it's about wanting to know what's inside your butthole, but it's kind of a jam. So it's the jam. It's kind of it's kind of it's kind oh, of a jam. God. Um please <laughs> do send us more quarantine confessions. Uh like I said, they come in waves. I'll get like a whole bunch for a few days and then not get very many. So um you can send them to me in various ways. I put call outs on our Patreon page. I, uh, you can tweet them at us at Daily Beanspot, or you can email them to Amanda Mellor. She wrote, and um, if I've missed your uh, confession, I apologize. Resend it. Um, uh, sometimes if we get a whole bunch, I will only choose the top ones and then 
come or come back to it a few days later or whatever. So if I've missed your confession or maybe got put into my spam folder or something, um, resend it. Uh, we really appreciate you guys sending them in. And actually, I wanted to share something which wasn't necessarily a, a good news story. It was just a private note that I got um, from someone the other day who said that the quarantine confessions are helping with their depression because they're feeling less alone in that stuff that they're going through. Um, so that's, that's really, really nice. Yeah. yeah. That's so nice. send in your funny, embarrassing, messed up, fucked up shit that you're doing in quarantine because you're not only are you getting it off your chest, but you're helping someone and they're very fun for me to put together. <laughs> totally. Thank you for doing that every single yeah. day. Um, all right. We did it. We did that- do it. Thank you so much for doing everything that you did and mm-hmm. do. And do you have any final thoughts? I don't. Um, well, I guess I do. Just, you know, as AG always says, take good care of each other and um, hang in there. I uh, People are having struggles of various kinds right now. And I just am inviting you to take a moment to be kind to yourself and take a deep breath or whatever it is that you need to do. Um, shit is hard. Um, yeah. Yes. So, uh, and, and please send in your, your quarantine confessions. And by the way, uh, they don't have to be funny. They can be as raw and vulnerable and honest as you would like them to be. If that's what you need to get off your chest, it doesn't have to make us laugh. Um, it just has to, um, help us relate to each other. Totally. You could also just Mm -hmm. also put in there, like, um, can you not read this on air? But if you still want to share it with us, you can email it to us and we'll respect that for sure. Yeah, that's another option if it helps totally. you. Um, but yes, I what think. What are your final thoughts, Jordan? I'm trying to think. I second all the lovely things you've said. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and then it is Tuesday, so I'm going to plug my side podcast. I disagree. Has a new episode coming out. Today, Wednesday, if you're listening on Wednesday, um, our friend James Schrader is on it. He's hilarious, and we talk about our main topic of discussion, of debating, kind of, is about catcalling and just what's, like, around that culture, and uh, we talk about some other stuff, too. It's a fun episode. But, yeah, check us out uh, at the I Disagree Pod on Twitter. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. And I would love, love, love if you would give it a try. And that would be so fantastic. Um, in addition to your Daily Beads and Militia at Listening. If mm-hmm. if you're a podcast junkie, try it out. Hell speaking, yes. Speaking of podcast junkies, Amanda, mm-hmm. do you have anything yes. to say? Uh, <laughs> was, are you putting me on the spot, Miss Jordan Coburn? Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> um yes so uh uh, i have a show launching also um in the next week or two very eminently and um i'm going to read you stories to sleep along with a very good friend of mine who is a very talented voice actor and we are going to read you to sleep and share meditations and um and create uh nighttimey bedtimey sleepy uh de-stressing anxiety besting content for you all um in these uncertain times so um yeah a very different direction than the stuff that we're doing here and uh and hopefully it will be a nice little bomb for some people who need it uh so if you're interested in that uh 
you know, let me know and uh, tweet at me at Mandy Reader, and uh, I'll be sharing the link there when it's when it's ready to go. But launching very soon um, with the help of our very talented editor, editor who also works on these shows, Mackenzie Mizell of Starburns. Yeah. yeah, Mac works. Yeah, Mac and Starburns, they do so much for all of us. And it's really cool what they facilitate and have going on over at that network and Mac as an individual and stuff. If you're thinking about getting into podcasting, just just start doing it, you know, and then you're like, you'll meet your people and mm-hmm. it'll and it's and it's cool. And thank you for letting us take this as a time to talk in depth about podcasting in general as a industry. Yes. Um, okay, that's all we got. Everybody yep. take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, take care of your mental health. I've been Jordan Coburn. I've been Amanda Reader. And this is The Daily Beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reader. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reader. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reader with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>